You're listening to Of Slights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician Production. Hello and welcome back to Of Slights and Men. We are very excited to be joined by a special guest, a Mr. Nicholas Lawrence. And just as a little disclaimer for everyone listening, uh, you might be wondering during this podcast, where is Benji? Uh, Benji actually had some family stuff come up uh, and he's going on a volunteer mission very soon to Macedonia. So his time schedule for podcasts has got a little bit messed up. Uh, so that's why uh, it's just me and, and, and Nicholas today. So Nicholas Lawrence, um, let me give a brief introduction. I think everybody probably knows his name by now in the, in the magic world. But if you don't know about him already, here's a here's a brief introduction. Uh, Nicholas is, is, Lawrence is from um, Buffalo, New York. Uh, he's been obsessed with magic for 18 years, uh, and he's been publishing um, magic and consulting for for three years. Uh, I think that might be a bit out of date. It's probably been a bit longer than that, Nicholas. Now, hasn't it? But, yes, um, <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But um, he specializes in creating visual uh, card, coin, and organic close-up magic. Uh, he lives to inspire performers around the world to try new things and add hypervisual moments to their repertoires. Is that a decent summary, other than the uh, dates being completely off? Yeah, I, I'd say so, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, let's give you your own introduction. I, I'd love to know. It's a cliche question, but where did this all begin? How did you get uh, into the magic world? Uh, you know, it probably started when I was maybe you know, 11, 12 years old, uh, mm-hmm. and I just see TV programs like Masters of Illusion, or just any kind of magic you'd see on TV, like pre-Blaine, you know? Uh, and I was just really so interested in it. Um, but there was something about it that I didn't like. And I think that was kind of just like the, you know, eccentric kind of stage performance. And mm-hmm. I, I, I steer away from that. But I was like, you know, there's something to this. Let me go to my local library and uh, just see what they have on on books. And I, I, I realized very quickly I was very into the mechanical prop side of things i just thought it was absolutely genius how simple these things were but how effective they were on um you know even though this isn't the focus but you know fooling a person um and then you know then learning about the the mysterious and you know the patter side of things the performance the the theatrical that that stuff came later but my obsession was of you know mechanical things how they worked And um, yeah, you know, then I seen David Blaine's show, his very first show, and um, that's what made me say, okay, I do, I do like more than just the props. I want to perform magic, but I want to do it the way he's doing it, you know, in you know, bars and on the street and just mm. anywhere and everywhere. And from that point on, man, I just I started creating my own stuff uh, pretty early on. You know, most of it wasn't that good, but as the years went on and I stuck through it. Um, and the more research I did, I started realizing I was, you know, coming up with unique things and, and um, you know, at the very least, you know, decent contributions to the magic industry. Right. I love that. It's it's, it's interesting what you say about uh, at the start, most of it wasn't any good. Because uh, I, I think this is something that, uh, it's actually something that I, I learned from copywriting, uh, but they say, and for writing in general, but they say like, basically, the first 500,000 words you write will suck. <laughs> So just get them out there as fast as possible, and then you'll get into the good stuff. Right, uh, totally. I, I think that applies quite well, right, to what you're saying. It's just like, honestly, with magic as well, so we kind of have this, sometimes we're like, oh, I have to wait 20 years before I release this effect, right? Or like, so until it's been like, <laughs> tried and tested by everyone. But I, I like what you're saying there. It's just like, basically, you're like, 
I like what this guy's doing. I'm going to go out and do it. And maybe at the start, yeah, it wasn't the best, but it definitely has become something that's amazing. So, so thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, totally. I, w- I wanted to pick up on that. It's really interesting. Um, we haven't had someone on the podcast before that's quite so into kind of, I don't know, I don't want to call it gimmick work, more like mechanical work of just how to create magic effects outside of sleight of hand. And not that you don't use sleight of hand, but I mean, as far as you have, a, you use a lot of a lot of prop work. So I'm interested to know, where does that come from? Do you have like kind of a mechanical mind? Is it just like your magic mind is like themed that way? I'm just interested where that um, came from. Well, you know, I, I've always been uh, more so in the beginning, more 50-50 because I definitely loved uh, sleight of hand stuff because I started with cards, right. you know, and I still play with cards every day. Just, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a magician thing, right? We just, you know, you have, you have a deck of cards around and you're working on moves. And, right. um, but I definitely fell in love with the mechanical side of things that I think I've just always been naturally very curious of the world and how it works, you know, whether it just be, I mean, just like new products at the market, not in, not in magic uh, sense, but just in the world. And I would always ask questions, ask my teachers, ask my parents, ask whoever, just, you know, like, do you know how that works? Have you heard about that? What is that thing? That's kind of neat, you know? So I'm just a very, I think I'm just a curious mind. And um, I've always been a visual learner and a hands-on kind of person. So if I can just be hanging out by myself and um, researching magic and kind of getting inspired, I'm, I'm the type of person that will you know, start cutting up playing cards and gluing them together and, you know, playing with magnets. And I just find it very fascinating, you know, but not to take away from the sleight of hand world, because I also really, really love sleight of hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, I enjoy creating um, kind of that classic magic as well, with just uh, just what I have, you know, cards or coins. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails that will give you great content just like this podcast, please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. I'm interested to know, so uh, how do, where did that come from? Okay, so like you, you read these books, but I, I'm interested because for me, like I can kind of get my head around like building, I don't know, like a, a mem deck routine or like building a slide of hand routine or building a coin routine. But when it comes to, to gimmicks and kind of this mechanical side of magic, uh, I, I'm pretty much completely in the dark. So I'm interested to know, okay, so uh, I'm I'm just a, someone that wants to start in kind of gimmick work or wants to start in building their own props. W- where do I start? Where would you tell someone that they need to begin? <clears throat> hmm. Well, it's, it's, um, that's, it's definitely a difficult question. I mean, I could, let me just start with, um, so for me as a creator in creating gimmicks, let me start with the creative side of things real quick is, is it's good to have a, um, <clears throat> a good understanding of what exists. So it's the same as, you know, when you're, when you're studying a sleight of hand magician and you could see all of the, you know, the new moves that he's created, but not only the new moves, but maybe the way that he's utilized old moves, right. uh, in, in, in sync with other moves to create, you know, what you guys would consider a new or, or something to, you know, applaud to is, mm-hmm. is that creativity, that creativity is always there, regardless if it's pure sleight of hand or gimmick right. work. Um, but it's, I think for me, I just, over the years, I know almost every, you know, prop that have, that has come out in the market. And when I see those things, I retain them. And then also, you know, time and time again, I'll, I'll come back to them and say like, well, what is it about this prop, the way that it works, that maybe it could be better. Um, mm-hmm. uh, most people know that, you know, almost anything I've ever released gimmick wise, I really like the ending clean factor. Right. Um, 
so I've kind of had that signature on all my gimmicks mostly uh, is where, you know, you're able to just slide off the gimmick, you know, without, you know, double stick tape or anything sticky, just, you know, just as keeping it elegant, you know, keeping it as close to um, pure sleight of hand as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's my thing is, is I look at gimmicks and say like, you know, what could make them operate, sure. what could make them operate more visual, more, you know, smoothly. Um, and then, and then, you know, we were talking about people who want to get into the gimmick world. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, kind of just diving in and seeing what's out there, see what kind of gimmick props you like. You could see yourself actually using, familiarize yourself with not only how they work, but how to perform them, what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll learn how to make a, you know, a flap card, a simple color changing card. Um, but to understand the value in, you know, how, how much more visual, you know, maybe a flap card is versus, you know, an Erdnase change or a shake change or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. Maybe there's a point in your routine where it might call for that. It might, you know, you already have so much going on. You've already got a card palmed and you're about to do, you know, uh, who, who knows, but you, you learn about a simple prop like a, like a flap card and you see how could I implement that into my sleight of hand work? Right. Um, right. Because that's all really it is. That's what gimmicks are. They're just tools. Mm-hmm. Um, they're physical tools versus, you know, just a, a, a sleight of hand move, which is also a tool. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's it's cool because we actually Benji and I just bought a, a bunch of uh, coin gimmicks. Actually, <laughs> we oh, just cool. started like the Metal series um, by Barrick Jones, and we got awesome. to like Metal Three. Uh, and we were like, oh, okay, <laughs> we should probably invest in all these gimmicks because uh, you need them for those routines. Uh, and it, it was it was interesting. I, I like how you, you phrased that, and I wish Benji was here to, to, to hear it, and I'll definitely be messaging this to him. Because uh, he kind of has this dilemma where he's like, well, like uh, he has this fight in his head of like, uh, gimmicks versus slides, right? And I think a lot of people mm. kind of... What I'm hearing from you is there's not really any battle there for you. They just complement each other. And I think that's really interesting, um, like kind of, uh, again... Correct me if I'm if I'm putting words in your no, mouth. No, 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 no. You're, you're, what you're saying is true because that is a big thing in the magic community. It always pops up every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Is what do you use? Do you use sleight of hand? Do you use cards? Which right. is better, gimmicks, slights? And like you know, me the whole time. Every time it's come up, I'm just thinking to myself like, and I don't voice my opinion a ton, but I'm just thinking like, are you crazy? It's it's all the <laughs> same. It's it's just tools, and you should be using them all. Um, but you know, for some people I can totally get it. You know, if you want to be a purist, there's, there's a sense of, um, maybe I really don't know what it is because I, I've never done it. Um, but <laughs> there, I'm sure there's a sense of pride to it and there's something right, that you, right. that you, it's a personal value, but Hey, I really do believe though. Everybody should be using gimmicks, sleight of hand, use it all. It doesn't matter. The main goal is, you know, being entertaining right. and showing somebody something new and impossible. Uh, and however you do it, it doesn't matter as long as it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's, it's kind of interesting. There's a similar question that we run because we do a lot of stack work, a lot of memorized stack work, and cool. we, lo- we run across a similar question, which is basically like, which stack should I use? You know, and it's mm. like this like age old debate, like, oh, like do you use Mnemonica? Do you use Redford? Do you use uh, you know, Sty Seven? Like, which stack? Sure, do you sure. Use? Uh, and, and for us, it's like all of them. Like, <laughs> if they all have something to offer, like the, the, our memorization method allows us to memorize all of them. So it's like, why not? And I, I like what you're saying there. It's like, there's not really a question. It's just like, does it make the routine better? I guess, so at least yes. from what I'm hearing from you, like, does it actually embellish it? 
Uh, and if it does, then of course use it. Like it's kind of, I guess that makes sense, right? It's logical. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's also overall, uh, does it embellish who you are as a performer? Maybe, maybe right. not just in a general sense, um, but it's all about what works for you and the, the routine that, or the moment you're trying to share. So that's so cool. You mentioned different um, stacks mm. because I actually don't do any uh, memorization work. Um, mm. And I've heard, I've heard people talk about, Oh, what, what stack do you use? But that's so interesting that you said that you actually do utilize all of them. So maybe there's a certain routine you're working on mm -hmm. um, where one of them just works better than the others. I never really thought about that. So that's pretty interesting for me to hear too. Yeah. I mean, in fact, what's really cool is there's a lot of hidden links between the stacks as well. Um, so when you're using one stack in tandem with the other, um, like I, I won't go too into like the our method on this podcast. Or maybe I will on the inner circle on the weekend afterwards. <laughs> okay. But, um, it's cool because there's like we were able to find links between both stacks. Where like for instance, um, again I'll try not to go too method heavy, but it's like you one card links to the other. So say you're on the four of clubs uh, in your moniker, you can count down in Redford four of clubs uh, and this is not exact so but it, it's a similar effect you count down four of clubs ah. and then you'll land on that card or actually the opposite card so if you land on the queen of hearts yeah then you can count down it there's similar there's i don't think those are actually discovered before we're actually we've been talking with uh like pit hartling and dennis burr and just like sharing okay. back and forth with them trying to like figure out what else there is to discover but um, that's that's yeah. just so that's so interesting to me too though because um i mean i love all magic i mean even the stuff that i don't study Mm -hmm. Um, and that is just such a cool thinking that I've never really actually thought about that. You know, you can actually utilize different stacks mm -hmm. to make things flow easier for you or just be more impact. Maybe you're counting mm -hmm. 10 less cards, whatever it may be, but it's more beneficial for the performer. That's so cool. I never yeah. really thought about that. And for the spectator as well, right? Because then you can hand them a stack and your, your decks aren't identical, right? Ah, um, that's also very cool. Yeah. So then you, you, you have two stacked decks, but uh, yeah, like I said, they're completely different. And, but also they also very, yeah, it's a super interesting, um, interesting thing I never really thought of as well. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, there we go. We're, we're learning. We we're both <laughs> learning <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> all different things. That's great. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I, I'm interested. Tell me. Okay. So. I, I want to hear something from you um, as far as like, not like, not like, whoa, look, I just impressed you. But as far as like, <laughs> I'm really interested <laughs> to hear, like, uh, blow my mind about gimmicks. Tell me, like, what are you, what are your top three? Like, I, I guess this is kind of a hard question. It's like telling you, like asking you which child you love the most. But right, it, right. It, if you were to tell me kind of like, uh, what's a gimmick that really impressed you? Like, as far as like, just uh, something I love in magic is like, everything is so simple when you kind of get down to the grit of it. Like, interestingly enough, like, mm, not sure. The, but I'd love to hear kind of what was what's something that kind of blew your mind that you've discovered recently. What's something you're working on recently that you find it really interesting? I guess is the question. Um, you know, yeah. If it's coming from me and my stuff that I've created, um, you know, it's hard for me because I do create a lot, and right now I am heavily focused on what I'm working on right now, and um, mm. so that might be come off as a plug, but it is what it is. Oh, uh, please plug away. <laughs> there's, a, there's a trick, um, an old trick of mine, I called it distance. And what it was, was a, it starts off with a moment of teaching your spectator a simple trick with a pen. You teach them how to make the pen cap just kind of snap back to the pen, like, you know, within like an inch away. It's like this static electricity effect. Uh, and that's how it starts. And you 
basically put the pen in their hands and then you, you teach it to them so that they're now able to do it. So it's this really cool moment. Um, and for them, they kind of feel like the magic is over. Maybe you weren't really going to perform. Maybe you just wanted to show them something cool. But then I take this leap forward, and this is why it's called distance, is because when you take the pen back, um, which has only been able to be done now of recently with my new distance 2.0, is basically you, you can pass the pen back and forth. And when you get it back in your hands, you then make the cap shoot across the air like three feet and then recap onto the pen. And basically saying, you know, that, that you've, you've been doing this trick since you were a little kid and you got so good at it. And, the, you know, the more you practiced, you improved. Um, and it's just such a cool moment. But essentially, it's a levitation kind of animated cap um, that just shoots across the air and recaps out of the pen. And it feels super organic. Um, and it's something I'm really excited about because I've always loved the trick. Um, and I don't mind saying, you know, it uses invisible thread. And I think most people kind of figure out the original version. Um, but what's so cool about the new one is that you truly can hand out the same pen back and forth multiple times. Uh, and you're always able to do that, you know, that flying cap effect. Um, so it's something that kind of makes me feel like I have like a super, a superpower because hmm. generally with my stuff, I'm usually palming in and out gimmicks. Um, and, and not to say that this completely, um, you know, doesn't use anything like that, but the way it feels for myself and for the spectator, I'm super amped up about it. And it's, right. it's, made me, it's made me love and appreciate um, simplicity in the gimmick world as well as complex uh, gimmicks. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, I'm actually, I actually wrote that down in big letters on my questions because I saw that video on your website and I was like, we have to talk about this. <laughs> um, I guess you talked a little bit about where, where that came from. When is that going to be coming out? Is it already out? Um, so yeah, you could, you can, anybody can buy it and uh, it, it's a physical product. It comes with everything you need, a special gimmick pen. Um, and it's, it's available on my website, um, which, um, yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a, a soft launch. I didn't put much into the trailer sake of things because uh, for me, it's it's just an exclusive for my website. I don't plan on taking it anywhere. And it's um, it's more for the people who have followed my work and, they, and maybe they'll remember distance mm -hmm. and then see this and go, hey, you can do it with a, uh, an examined pen before and after and instant reset. And so it's, it's really to trigger those minds that have, have seen it before and they're like, okay. I'm intrigued, you know, so yeah, it's, it's totally available and it's not going to be a mainstream product, but I've got plenty to go around. So if anybody wants one, <laughs> come and check it out. Oh, well, I'm going to try and pick one up. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. So, um, I guess, I guess what I wanted to ask with that is kind of like, where does this begin? Right. Cause I, I've seen such a variety of, of gimmicks, right? Like one moment, you know, you, you, it's like flare where there's like flames coming out of your hands. <laughs> Uh, you know, the next moment it's like restoring a bill or restoring a, a marked co corner of a card, uh, and and now with pens, I, I guess does it come down to that fact where you say you just you just want to learn from everywhere, where you're just constantly searching for for new stuff? Because I'm interested. Like, Dude, that's to, yeah. that's uh, that's a hundred percent. And I love to be, mm. um, I like to have my hands in a little bit of everything because, especially when you start to analyze yourself as a creator, right. you can really see I came from playing cards because if you look at most of my tricks. Uh, they're all gimmicked red bicycle card tricks. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's just my love. That was my origin. Uh, but over the years, and yeah, and if you do look at my work, you'll see you'll see random things popping in there with, you know, mm -hmm. pens, coins, uh, Sharpie markers. And I have a lot more of that coming that I kind of reserved. But it's because I want to be, um, I want to share as much as I can. 
Uh, but also it's like it's like a service you know a creator is is trying to service the magic world and i kind of felt like my own obsession with playing cards um might have been uh limiting people who are interested in my work Mm -hmm. so now more than ever i'm trying to uh try to keep that organic feel and it doesn't matter the object um just try to just do something different than playing cards even though i've got a ton more playing card stuff because that's like my (laughs) My love, but uh, man, I, there's nothing cooler th- than creating magic with just a regular object, though. You know, it's. I briefly pause this podcast to give a shout out to the Daily Magician Tapes collection. This is a growing collection of exclusive audio training and interviews with some of the world's best, including the magician that you're listening to right now. If you'd like to find out more about the Daily Magician Tapes, head over to thedailymagician.com slash tapes. That's thedailymagician.com slash tapes. We'll see you there. So listen to what Nicholas just said um, right there, because it's, it's a really important point. Um, he's constantly searching for, for new ideas. And, and this, I think this is really, not only that, you're, you're, you're willing to learn. And I can tell that even from your personality, as soon as you came on the call, you're just like receptive. Like we, we just had that thing, right? Where you're like, we didn't just talk about stacks and like, breeze over it you were like you wanted to get into the nitty-gritty and so that is a really good character trait and i'm interested to know um like kind of where did that come from how did you, has that always just been in you ah, how do you garnish that that is interesting um well you know what i, I can sum up a lot of traits and people and mm-hmm. things that we do that we mark up as a positive as simply you care mm-hmm. um i think if you just care about the work that you're doing you care about how your spectators are going to respond to your magic. You care about your friends and family and what they think of you and how they perceive you and how you perceive each other. You, you care about that, you know, strengthening relationships around you. Um, that's really what it comes down to. But, you know, in the magic sense, um, I remember, um, you know, a, a mentor to me, if anything, a good friend, but I've always considered him a mentor because we grew up in the same neighborhood is uh, Garrett Thomas. Um, he was always a little bit older than me, a little bit wiser than me, oh, a lot wiser than me. Um, and he, he taught me something one time and, and he said something like, you know, if you're performing magic for somebody and they ask you, or they, they tell you that they know a little bit of magic and, you know, their grandfather taught him a trick. He says he sees so many performers just glide over that and don't really give the person a chance to talk because they're so concerned about their patter. Um, but you know, when you make it a conversation, and you make it more realistic and sincere, you should you should really care about what people are saying to you. So I think I've always kind of been that way when talking to people is it's not all about you, 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 you. It's a it's a give and take. It's a 50-50 thing. And um, because I am naturally interested in magic, if you start talking about stack work, it doesn't matter if I've never learned a stack. I know that there's something to be valued, appreciated, or just in general interesting um, that can make it for good conversation and also just broaden my way of thinking. So I think, I think that kind of sums it up. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It, it kind of reminds me of the story that, that um, I hear the day we just were like really into like copywriting and just kind of business in general. Um, and we talk about it a lot on our podcast, so people will not be surprised by this. Um, right, I think okay. I've told this story before, but um, there's a famous copywriter called uh, Dan Kennedy. Uh, and he told this cool story uh, where he was a, uh, he was giving a, a lecture uh, for a room of basically just billionaires. Um, and one of them got up, it was an FAQ, and one of them got up and asked, um, what three books are you reading right now and which one's your favorite? Uh, and so it was interesting because Dan Kennedy told the story basically to emphasize the fact that 
um, this guy, like as successful as he was, like a billionaire, um, mm. was still, first of all, he was reading three books, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he assumed that also Dan Kennedy was reading three books. Uh, right, and second right. of all, he was humble enough um, to ask because he wanted to learn. And I think that is so important. I, I think in life and in business, and, and like you say, just in interactions with our family members, um, it, it's such an important thing to realize that like everything has someone to, like everybody has something to offer you. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and I really like that. And I think you can definitely see that uh, in your magic. Um, I guess a good lead into that is, so you've talked about how you kind of receive and how you learn, uh, but I also know that you're a consultant. Uh, where did that all start? Um, for me, uh, you know, there, there's guys out there who are, you know, consulting giants, you know, and, and I've had my, my hands in the pot for sure. Um, but it all started for me was, uh, just maybe like a well-known guy, you know, magic magician in the community just mm -hmm. maybe needed a, a, a special prop. It was something that he could visualize, but he wasn't able to build. Um, and maybe they would reach out to me and then it start with something like that i would just be like oh yeah no problem i can i can make that for you um you know you make the gimmick you ship it to them and then they're they're really happy with it um and now you, that's one sense of uh, being a consultant um and then uh, a year year and a half ago or so i got the opportunity um actually let me start before that then it kind of jumps into maybe someone's working on an actual show mm -hmm. then show maybe they'll call you in and you can kind of just analyze and look at their show, but watch it from maybe different angles and just offer some cr criticism. Um, that's another sense of being a consultant that I've done. Uh, but then I, what I was just speaking about just prior was having the opportunity to work on an actual TV show. So I worked on uh, Dynamo's newest show, and that was an eye-opening experience for me. Definitely really cool. Um, I felt I had a lot to offer, but also um, because it was my first time ever doing it, I also had a lot to learn while working. So um, that was that was definitely a lot of fun, but that that's kind of like how consulting worked for me. It started, you know, can you make nice. me a web card? And then it was like, can you come visit my show and, and give me some criticism and maybe some ideas? Um, and then, you know, being contacted to be, you know, flown around the world and working on a, an actual big TV show. So it was like, that felt so cool to me. But um, again, there's so many guys out there who, who have so much more experience with consulting. Um, and I'm, I'm learning something new every time I... I jump in it, but, uh, it's definitely a very rewarding feeling and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's definitely a different way of, of creating magic. I can say that, you know, it's one thing to create a product, um, or even what I like to call a contribution. You know, it's this physical something, uh, this tool that you're offering to the community. And it's, it's generally created for, you know, my magic is generally created for live performance, just adding that visual, visual element. Um, but also, you know, great things for video, but, um, it's very different. It's a very different world creating magic products, uh, and consulting. So definitely a lot to learn. Um, but I, I definitely enjoy it. Hmm. And that, that was for beyond belief, right? It was with dynamo. Right? Yes. That was at the show. I'm sure you signed a bunch of NDAs for that, but what can, what can you tell us about like, uh, working behind the scenes with dynamo and just kind of that. I mean, they said it's like an interesting process, but what was it kind of, what was like then if you can, what was kind of the nitty gritty day to day of that? Um, well, um, I can kind of just, uh, sum up my experience, I guess. I mean, it starts off with, um, 
you know, you're going to have to move to another country and you're going to have to live there for, you know, a month or two. So I started off going to uh, the UK. I was living in London. Welcome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I actually really liked it. I love the people out there. I love the, uh, just, just everything, the food, everything is just, I like different new things. Uh, so, so for me, it started off with, all right, here we go. You're moving to another country for a couple months and um, get settled. Wow. Um, and then, you know, it's a very, um, hands-on everybody's together we'd meet up uh, you know every day and um just just jamming and working on uh pipe dream effects but then also concrete things that were surely going to go in the show they just need to be you know fine-tuned uh and you know working hands-on with dynamo um that was that was one of my main roles is i was the guy who would actually hands-on teach dynamo um and also jam with i mean this guy believe it or not you know i just want to mention a lot of times I think people think maybe the artist, um, you know, the star of the show, um, especially when viewed and perceived from magicians as like, oh, it's only the, it's all the consultants who are actually making the tricks good. That's so not true uh, in everybody's case because Dynamo is such a talented magician mm-hmm. and he's so creative. Uh, so even working with him hands-on and sure, supplying a lot of tools and ideas and presentations and uh, so on, but man, it's it really comes down to the, the 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 star you know and um it was so cool working with him because he's such a, a brilliant guy um such an excellent magician but um kind of moving forward uh you know meeting up getting hands-on creating things working on concrete ideas that we know we're going to work for the show um it's it's definitely intense and you you have to be prepared with a lot of no's you know because you'll pitch a lot of ideas and because uh, there's so many people who make the call, you know, and, uh, right. uh, you, you get turned down a lot. Um, also, uh, another cool kind of experience with working on the show was actually going out to the streets and filming and kind of being behind the cameras, um, and just making sure that, that everything is going right, making sure that the performer has, you know, an out, if the trick didn't work, you know, they have different outs, um, and being able to kind of hop in there quickly. I'm sure people have heard stories about where, you know, maybe friends who have worked on shows is sometimes you have to do this, this like pre-show work, which I totally was not um, in the loop of. And I guess it comes down to as simple as, you know, if you need to switch a real object for a, a gimmicked object that looks identical, maybe somebody like me would step in and say, you know, Oh, I just need to check your microphone. We're getting a little static. Um, and you just come in and maybe you'd switch the object right under their nose. And then you'd go back to recording. And, uh, that's something that I thought was kind of like cheating at first. Cause you're thinking like, Oh, I'm a live performer. I like to, I, I mean, most people don't know. I'm not a hundred percent professional performer. I'm mostly a creator, but I do get out there and perform. So I look at that as like, it's kind of cheating, but when you actually analyze it, the fact that the spectators are still getting the exact same experience, they felt it was very genuine and sincere and they didn't feel any trickery going on. They were just entertained with something impossible. You realize it's not cheating. It's really just utilizing your environment, utilizing the people around you, the tools, the facts that there's cameras on you. You utilize all of that um, to create a, a genuine new moment for somebody. So that's just such a cool thing about consulting was learning just that pre-show technique of how you can, you know, flip somebody's world upside down and they don't even know it. Like you're creating this facade of you know, static in their headphones or their microphone. That's not even true. Um, but for them, it's so real. And it was, it's just a part of the moment and it 
it flies right over their head and they realize it had nothing to do with the magic. And, um, but it was such a cool thing learning that, um, but there, there's, there's so much I could talk about with, with the, the consulting, but if you have any specific questions, um, yeah, feel free to ask. Sure. Yeah. I'm interested as far as I love this attitude of like learning to just hear no a lot because <laughs> yeah, I think totally. that's so, that in life we, I don't think we like focus on this enough. It's, it's almost like you read those like self-help books or like entrepreneur books, or whatever. And it, you read like the first, the first hundred pages, right. will be like, uh, get ready to like be rejected. Like get ready to like see, fa- see failure, you know, like get ready to, right, right. to grind. And we're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And we, it just like flies right through it, like right over our head. Right. You know, Oh yeah, of course, of course you have to work hard to get somewhere. <laughs> right. Uh, but when it comes down to the actual nitty gritty of it, you're like, Oh, this actually kind of sucks sometimes. Um, and so I guess this thinks in quite well to kind of what we were saying before, where you were saying, um, you know, I'm open to everything. And I guess a part of being open to everything is being open to hearing no. Right. And so I guess, um, I mean, this is not quite so much about consulting, but I'm interested kind of how, how did that happen? Is it basically just repetition or how do you keep that mindset of being willing and ready? Yeah. And uh, yeah, talking about the, you know, being prepared for the no's, um, it's funny how that goes for so many different experiences I've had in the magic industry. So it could be as, as, as simple as um, when you go to perform f- for real people, when you're getting those, those performance footage of doing tricks with people, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, maybe professionals do, um, but you're going to hear no from people. You can say, Hey, my name's Nick, you know, or Nicholas, and I'm yeah. a magician. I want to show you some magic. Uh, you know, whatever, however, whatever your approach is, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of no's. People just don't want to see magic. And then there's also the the idea of when pitching, pitching a magic product to a magic company, be prepared to hear some no's because maybe you don't realize that already exists or maybe it's just not good enough or maybe it just doesn't match their brand. It, you know, it could be a, a series of things, but be prepared to hear a no. Um, and it was the same thing with working on a, um, a show with a bunch of brains coming together. And maybe it wasn't because, you know, the idea wasn't good. But maybe it's because the director just had a certain vision and Mm -hmm. that trick just wasn't um, perfect, a perfect match for that. So I learned quickly uh, to take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, Don't, you know, don't be, you know, offended by it. Um, There's always a rhyme and reason in it. You know, the world doesn't um, revolve around you. And (laughs) sometimes you have to like, because you you can kind of feel that way when you're creating a bulk, a bulk of the show with with a bunch of magic. Um, But you have to understand it's what works best for that person in their moment. I mean, it could be a magic show or like I said, it could be a spectator who just doesn't want to see magic right now. Um, right. You, you don't take it to heart, but you, you have to be prepared to fail. Like on things that you think are going to work in your head, you're so certain these people want to see magic or this magic company is going to love this idea. Well, that's mm-hmm. you, that's your opinion. And you, you quickly realize the more you get out there with whatever endeavor you're working on is people are going to say no, but that's okay. Right. You, just, you just keep on going and you, if you really love what you do, you're going to work hard every day and you're going to continue to create so much, whatever it is, whether you're a writer or a painter, um, you're going to make your dream work. You're going to make it, you're going to make it work. So uh, be prepared for rejection and just keep that grind, man. Some people can't do it. Um, maybe it's not meant for everybody, but um, it's definitely difficult. What, you know, for whoever it's, it's, it's definitely difficult. I'll say that. <laughs> The grind, right? The grind, the hustle. <laughs> that's the that's the fun of it, though. I like I like what you're that's saying. That's right. The grind is is everything. It's it's kind of like we. It kind of reminds me actually of a 
Have you, have you seen Soul, that movie that came out by Pixar? Maybe you haven't. I, I haven't watched it yet. Right. I won't. Okay, then in that case, I will not ruin the end. But um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, uh, I guess the, the whole point is he he the, he spends the whole movie looking after lo- looking for one thing, and in the end, he realizes that like it wasn't what he expected. And so uh, there's actually a there's a book um, there's a fantasy book by Brandon Sanderson, and one of the things that said a lot in it is uh, like journey over destination. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's kind of surprising because it's in the middle of this book with like you know elves and <laughs> magic. Right, and stuff. right, right. <laughs> but it really struck me. It's like it really is true. Like if you're not enjoying where you are, right, like that's that's the destination. Like you're already there. Like that's what you're going to be doing. You know, like right. yes, you'll have big breaks. You know, like you'll get to work with Dynamo or you you'll have a product that does incredibly well and you know and just feel that sense of achievement. But then after that you're going to be consulting for someone else <laughs> and you're going to be creating a new product, you know? Yeah, the, the, it, the, the show goes on. There's always going to be right. different results. But if you're in it to win it and you love what you do, it's uh, it's worth the ups and downs. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you love it, right? Like, if you genuinely love it, then you can't really fail. <laughs> like, as far as, like, if you're genuinely enjoying what you're doing every day, then I don't think that you can you can fail. That's so true, man. You're you're only moving forward if, if you're uh, continuing your works and you know whatever platform or whatever you're doing it could be big or small um regardless if you fail if you're learning something from it and you enjoyed the experience you're winning you know hmm. yeah exactly yeah i love that well, okay i'm gonna take a second to think about it um i talking of things that you've learned um tell me uh, i see that you you well you've traveled a decent amount i mean at least you've lived in the uk and i know that you you uh, have been in the philippines as well um and for myself i was able to live in um uh, France um, for two years um, and now I live in the US actually so um, but as far as living and like obviously you can go and visit um, but I- I'm interested to know because I feel like every country you go to interestingly with magic you kind of like you learn something different like as far as I, I can only imagine at least I've seen for myself that like Filipino people would be super open to magic <laughs> Uh, maybe tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe they hate it, but uh, and then I could I know in England as well. There's a bit like more like people are a bit more cynical. Like they're a little bit more like how, how are you going to catch me out? So I'm interested. Yeah. Like, what have you learned from each country or from different cultures? Um, you know, I can actually ag- agree to that. I think there is just a it's a tone, um, and sometimes it's like a melting pot. Um, you know, starting with like in in America, hmm. it's stuff in this big melting pot of different cultures and uh, different kinds of people. And you're definitely going to get a big mix of yeses and nos and also people who are excited to see magic. Some people who are just really hard to impress and kind of cold. You're going to get a little bit of everything here. Um, The UK, I think it's a little bit more open because they know that you're a foreigner and maybe they're more excited to give you a chance and learn about something new. It's just not there. You know, it's not just another, um, you know, British person or whatever. It's, for them, it's like, it's kind of boring, right? It's the same old thing every time, wherever, wherever you live in the world. But when, when an outsider comes in, it becomes a little more interesting. So I definitely felt that in the UK. Um, I've also, uh, like you mentioned, I've been to the Philippines, uh, Taiwan, Japan. Um, yeah, those are great pla- all great places to visit. And they all, and I don't, know, I don't know if it has anything to do with what I was just talking about, this outside kind of person coming in and being more interesting. But um, 
everybody from those three places on, on that side of the world were so receptive to magic. And even though there, there was that language barrier um, in, in Taiwan and Japan, mostly, um, it was still so exciting for them to see, uh, you know, visual magic. And I think that's, that's such a cool thing about visual magic I learned is it doesn't matter what part of the world you take it to, because I can perform silent. Almost all of my tricks I can perform without saying a word and still give them like a really cool experience. And uh, I learned that pretty young with, um, I used to work at a lot of like, you know, you know, uh, pizza places, sub shops, you know, delis growing up. And um, a lot of the times when I was maybe around I don't know, 18, 19, 20 years old, the places I was working, these pizza shops were uh, Arabic owned. And a lot of those guys that were working, maybe like the boss or some of the cashiers could speak some English, but most of them uh, didn't really have good English ability, right? They didn't have that bilingual. So I had to perform visual magic. I would just do, because they're like, oh, wow, he's a magician. Show him a trick, show him a trick. <laughs> and then I do something. And I learned really quickly that magic is like this universal language. Uh, if you're able to find the right tricks that don't require any dialogue and you can just, you know, point to their hand, have them hold out their hand and, you know, maybe like double cross, for instance, you can instruct somebody to go along with double cross, like what you need them to do, hold their hand out, stamp their hand, you know, whatever. Sorry. Let me just, I don't want to expose anything. Magicians <laughs> are listening. We all know how it works. Um, but like there's certain tricks you can pick that just work great for any person from any part of the world. Um, so I definitely have, have been lucky enough to have tricks that work great for that. Um, but generally when speaking, you know, the few places I've been, um, mostly I've had great responses with my magic. And, and the only thing I can kind of highlight on that is it's true. Like people in Southeast Asia, not only do you have that interesting foreigner vibe coming in, but they are much more reactive to magic than my experiences with in America or in uh, the UK. Uh, they are just, they're so excited and they're so lively um and so so friendly um so i can i can definitely say that the big difference is uh you know performing in, in anywhere southeast asia they've just been so great you know it's like you can almost you're almost guaranteed to get and i don't know if it's just them being polite but also like how excited they get it's <laughs> uh, it's definitely a big part of it they're very very polite so yeah you know you, they're gonna give you your time and um but man the reactions are wonderful <laughs> If you want to be a good magician, just move over there. You'll instantly get 10 times better in their eyes, right? That, that's true. That's true, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's cool, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm I'm interested kind of um, on that point. Where did this kind of love for visual magic come from? Because, I mean, you've talked a little bit there about how it's kind of – and that kind of mm. reminded me – I kind of made that link with David Blaine because that's something that really linked for me. When I first watched David Blaine, he's like – I'm going to take this on the streets because it's a language that everyone can understand. And, you know, you have those images of him in the hood and in prison and all that. I mean, it's just inspiring, really inspiring for me. Right, right. Watched it. Um, did, did you have a kind of like a similar thing there where you were like, I just want to take this out and show people stuff? Where did this love of visual magic come from? Yeah, um, I think because, like I mentioned before, I've always been a, like a visual learner, a very hands-on learner. Um, just the, the appreciation for visual beauty i mean it doesn't need to be magic it could be anything you know animation or painting or uh, a, a, a good a beautiful view of nature 
um, visual, I mean, just to use your eyes is probably one of the most stimulating senses we have, in my opinion. It's, oh, yeah. you're just soaking it in and then, it, you know, then you start to perceive it and break it down in your brain. And then it just becomes this beautiful thing, especially with magic. Um, it's like not even about being fooled, but that, that once you are fooled and you are starting to step into this astonishment, uh, you kind of feel like a kid again. And it all came from what you've seen. And, I know there's a lot more to magic than just visuals, but for me, it's been the most important part of my journey is, is, is the visuals. And, um, you know, growing up seeing David Blaine, you know, biting quarters and spitting them back on and <laughs> making cards rise out of the deck and whatever it may be, it seems like that was, that was a, a huge percentage of the magic I would see when I was just getting into it. Even stage magic, it's all a flash fire tiger appears you know um and i guess that's what i've always continued to gravitate towards and i did start learning some some non-visual stuff and i do appreciate a lot of that uh, a lot of that magic i mean even just making a card change face down inside someone's hands right. that's not visual but we all know the serious impact that gets so i definitely have an appreciation for non-visual magic um but yes my love uh will always be more leaning towards visual visual magic just because of the uh the origin you know my origin of david blaine and seeing stuff on tv yeah i like that this is kind of just a intrigue question just tell me if it's one that you don't want to answer but um <laughs> talking of visual stuff where did this uh did we say that's where you're like your love for tattoos came as well because i'm always interested i, I like to hear like why people get tattoos and like kind of uh, I'm ah, just interested by it. Yeah, so tell me yeah. that's a, that's actually a really cool a really cool thing to talk about. Um so most know that um if you've seen any one of my trailers or see me in person you'll you'll see I've got tattoos all on my hands and on the lower parts of my wrists. And uh what most people don't know is that's generally where most of my tattoos are. I want them to be uh visible. I want I want people to know that <clears throat> you know I think well there's a couple of reasons I I think this one's kind of cool is um, I like, it sounds funny, but I kind of like the, the process of being judged from afar. Um, and then when people meet me, they're like, wow, that Nicholas guy, he's really nice. And wow, I really loved his magic. And, you know, maybe they might've been like, Hey, was that guy in prison or something? You know, even though I've never been in prison or anything, <laughs> I like, I like the idea of, even if it's not true, just thinking about that, like people went, it was like riding a wave when meeting me. Uh, they're like, wow. I wonder like what kind of life that guy's seen. He's got tattoos on his hands. And, um, but also for me, it's like this, just an expression. Um, and it was a, it was a certain bit of dedication for me when I was, I think I got, I had, I've had my hands tattooed. I'm like maybe 90% of the tattoos on my hands have okay. been there for, you know, 15 plus years. And you can wow. see it when you meet me or you see my videos, they're kind of, uh, gr like a greenish kind of bluish color. And some of them are new that I've added, but, I've had them for so long because I made that decision again when I was like maybe 18, 19 years old was I refuse to get a normal job. I, I it's just, I would rather <laughs> suffer and struggle um, and keep on gravitating towards my dream of being a creator, a performer, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be within magic. And I know the magic world's not going to judge at least a good handful of them aren't going to judge me for my appearance. Uh, if anything, they're just going to look at it as maybe it's artistic. Um, and then also, like I was saying before, I think it's cool because some people might go like, hmm, I wonder if Nicholas has been in prison. I wonder if he's, 
you know, is he a mean guy? Is he kind of a bad guy? I don't know. Like, you know, who knows, but it's interesting. <laughs> it just makes you more interesting. And, um, but man, I, I love tattoos and, uh, I've actually did a, a handful of them myself. I got my hands on a tattoo oh, machine huh? and, um, I would, you know, I've always been a decent, um, you know, artist in, in, in a sense of, yeah, in, in the visual arts, whatever it may be. Um, and I just kind of took it on, man. And, but I, I just like being unique. I, I don't see anybody who doesn't want to find unique things in the world that you can kind of add to yourself and your own persona. And um, tattoos have definitely been a big part of that for sure. <laughs> I have a friend that um, got a tattoo machine while he was in college. And I'd always just see, he just has like, <laughs> he just has little doodles on his arm here and there. Oh, whoa. <laughs> really okay. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Hopefully they look half stuff. decent, you know. But. Yeah, they, they look nice. It's just funny because when he first got it, he just has like, I'm like, bro, what's that dot over there? He's like, oh, yeah, I kind of like slip. I was like, okay. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, it's definitely, for any young guys listening, it's definitely not great advice. Definitely don't do it. Yeah. Um, but um, the good thing is, we're, man, we're stepping into the future quick. And uh, between the talented tattoo artists who can do cover ups mm. and uh, the laser removal techniques they've got now, um, you know, it's not as bad as it was, you know, 10, 10 20 years ago. So, right. I like so. Do you use those in your routines? Because I, I know that. Well, I huh. think I remember that you have like uh like cards, right, on your fingers. Am I, am I, I do, I, I do, I do. Um, I've always been searching for, for one, creating a cool tattoo piece that I would get, um, knowing that I'll use it for magic, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, but I do have something kind of cool. Um, actually, two things. So I have a a little pocket watch with the time that I was born. Mm. Uh, tattooed on me and i use that in sync with the turner watch so i think that's kind of cool yeah, um, but also i have this really interesting thing i got love hate tattooed on my hands which you know it's a very kind of generic tattoo but right. um we can go deeper in the meaning of that if you guys want but um but what i thought was cool about the the, the hate side h-a-t-e as i'm looking at it one day and I just so happen to raise my first finger because later on in each one of my knuckles, there's a pip, right? So I've got the spades, hearts, clubs, diamonds as well for each letter. And as I'm looking at H-A-T-E, I raise the H and I look at the spade. And now I'm just left with A-T-E. But it just so happens that the T looks a lot like a C because it's like this old English. So now I'm looking at A-C-E with a spade. So now I have nice. ace of spades. Um, so I kind of just, um, every once in a while, if, you know, whether I force it or somebody's picked the ace of spades, um, sometimes I'll just do an equivocate, you know, or just, just name the first card that comes to your mind. If someone says ace of spades, I say, oh, I hate when that happens. And then <laughs> I bring up a tattoo, look, I've got hate, and then slowly raise the finger and it turns into ace of spades. Um, but yeah, it's just cool. I, I try to present it different ways each time, but I never really found the perfect thing for it. But I just thought it was so cool. That you know, it's it's two things, and it's just hidden there, and it's Ace of Spades right there on my hand. That wasn't planned; it was just an accident, and um, so cool. But that's pretty much the only kind of cool tattoo story I have. But yeah, it's definitely interesting how that worked out. Yeah, oh, we were actually—I don't know if you do you know Danny Goldsmith. I do, I do. I was actually just recently talking to him. He says oh, awesome sick. things about both of you guys, and he says, uh, he said I'm gonna. He's, you're, he says that I'm gonna love being on the show and love meeting you guys, and you guys have uh, great insight. So we, we definitely gotta talk more after this. But he says nothing but good things. Great guy. Sick. Well, I'm glad. Well, hopefully, we didn't disappoint. 
Well, I didn't. Um, we, we were actually joking the other day about like getting, like if you got like a Morgan dollar on his wrist, <laughs> right? So it's like when you do like a coin through hand, it just like becomes like on his wrist. So I thought that'd be kind of funny because you could you could get like because you wouldn't have to get like permanent, right? You could get like henna ones. That's, that's could, especially when experimenting, do, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, we were thinking about that. <laughs> of course, dude, the coin magician has to get a coin tattoo, right? Right. right. It's essential. It's essential, man, for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I actually I have one final question for the main podcast um, before we, we get into the exclusive stuff. Um, I wanted to ask you, I think you've touched on it quite a little bit, little bit, but for you, kind of, what is the point of magic? You know, like, you clearly have this mm. amazing mind where you can go in and solve these very complex problems. What do you think, why do you spend so much time doing that? And what do you think it contributes to the world? Ah, well, firstly, I, I think that... Um, Whatever you, whatever an artist does or anybody, whether they want to admit it or not, the first reason you do it is for yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 an obsession for me. I'm I'm obsessed with magic. I love magic. Um, but outside of that, I also do it because I know that I'm kind of serving the performers, um, and I know that um, you know at least a good handful of them out there are are inspired by what I create or are using what I create just, you know, out of the box, that's fine. Uh, but I know that it's like, it feels good to know that I'm, I'm in, I'm inspiring or I'm just, you know, giving a service to, um, the other half of the magic industry, you know? Um, so that's, that's definitely a very rewarding thing for me. Um, but also it's, it's this, um, you know, I spoke about both kind of sides, but then now there's this hybrid of also the, the pride that I, I get from it and how, how it, makes me feel that I've, I've accomplished so much um, and how I'm just trying to just, just do my thing, my obsession, but take magic further in it. If I can be a part of that, um, you know, if I can look back in 30, 40, 50 years and, and know that my life had purpose um, yeah. while just having so much fun doing it, um, that's, that's so cool, right? So it's just living a life of passion versus you know, like I said before, I refuse to, um, you know, get a, get a union job as a, you know, even though I would probably would have been a great, you know, engineer or great welder or something, you know, like an architect, maybe, I don't know, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten enough out of it. You know, sure. I probably would have been more financially stable and, um, it would have been less stress, but for me doing what you love and doing what you want to do at the end of the day. And like I said, maybe in 40, 50 years, it's going to be more rewarding. Um, and I think it's just for my, my peace of mind. It makes me feel good doing what I do. Well, I think that's a good idea. Um, honestly, man, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and, and talk to you for the past 55 minutes that it's been. Um, I can tell you're a really great guy. Um, and I thank you so much for all your honest answers because I, I think that people can really learn a lot from, from everything you've said. Um, but before we do end that out this main part of the podcast, I would love to give you an opportunity to plug away anything that you want to plug. I know obviously there's, if you just Google Nicholas Lawrence, uh, you'll find your website with all of your, your amazing products. Oh, Is there anything cool. else you'd like to, like to shout out before we, yeah, well, well, firstly, let me just say, I really appreciate that. That's, that's really kind to of you guys. Um, I, I would say, uh, I would take a moment just to briefly kind of say, um, if most of you guys don't know, I've, I've worked with almost every magic company in the community. Um, but I have went solo mostly now. Uh, I do have some stuff coming out with other companies, but 
If you want to find me and you want to support me directly, uh, you can always go to my website. It's nicholaspresents.com. Um, so that's my kind of new hub and home for magic. Uh, that's where you're going to find exclusives from me, but you're also going to be able to uh, maybe pick up an old trick, an old Nicholas Lawrence trick that you weren't able to find. You could always come to my website and uh, and see if I got it in stock. Um, definitely, I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm not you know, the best at um, being a businessman yet. Uh, but I, I'm definitely trying to learn something new every day, and that's definitely uh, uh, my new, the new, the new source, I guess, to find my magic. So yeah, NicholasPresents.com, and if you want to check out that cool pen trick I was talking about, Distance 2.0, definitely have a look. <laughs> oh yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone to do that because it's, it's pretty mind blowing. It, it, it's like most of your stuff; it's extremely, extremely visual. <laughs> so <laughs> Thanks, yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone to go check out his stuff. Just honestly. If you're just looking to relax and burn some time, just like go check out, just go watch all of his trailers because it's uh, there's some pretty epic stuff. My favorite was like the reaction of that, uh, I don't know, like teenager, college age, age kid when you did the flame. His face oh, sure, is just sure. like, it's just like, uh, yeah, that, that was oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, go, ch go check him out. Honestly, um, uh, please like give him a lot of love uh, and, and buy some of his products because uh, you won't be disappointed in that. I'm sure. Of. Uh, so I yeah, super I appreciate that, man. I super. Hey, just a, a quick point is, um, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, for a lot of people don't realize, you know, especially with the, the inventors and the creators, you know, unless you have a big magic company backing you up, it doesn't matter how well known you are. Uh, mm -hmm. It can be difficult um, to actually, you know, have success with a product. Um, so every bit counts, and um, I'd love to spread that message of you know if you if you know an independent magic creator and they have their own website, um, it's it's worth uh, giving you know giving them some support because um, they're doing what they love and and there's going to be a lot of struggle with that and they I can guarantee you they they surely appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think on that heartwarming note, <laughs> we'll, we'll end out the main podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Nicholas, for being, being with me today. Uh, really oh, you got it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. I'll end out there.